Good morning. Good morning. Let's go ahead and begin a full morning so far already and uh, look forward to our time. We can uh, walk through this section and our study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts today. Then over the Christmas break, we're actually going to take a Sunday school break, so no Sunday school next week, Christmas Day. So we do, we do gather on Christmas Day. Um, then on New Year's Day, while there's a main service, there will not be Sunday school. So for the next two weeks, no Sunday school. And what I'm kind of articulating that is that when we gather back on January 8th, we will still be talking about uh, spiritual gifts. So as we'll even walk through this morning, I really don't plan to give any sort of commentary on um, the cessation the, of, of miraculous gifts. So, so whatever that means, three weeks from now, uh, we will be talking about the issue. Uh, we'll give a case for cessationism. So if you're like, what's that word mean? Maybe that's just a great plug for being here three weeks from today. So we're going to talk through the lists of uh, spiritual gifts uh, in these four texts that you have on your handout this morning. We're going to give some comments, uh, I bet even some discussion as a group on, on these gifts and uh, a few other points to make as we, as we talk about this subject and what a, what a neat opportunity it is for us to, to think about the truth of God's word. Even, you know, you talk a lot about gifts over Christmas, right? And so this morning we're talking about these gifts of the Holy Spirit to, to believers, the spiritual gifts that we, we are given. Let's pray and begin. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this morning. Oh, we do recognize it as a blessing to be able to gather uh, and then as we gather to, to think of what we get to do to corporately worship you, to sing your praises, to pray together, to sit under the reading of the word, to sit under the preaching of the word, uh, and to even find time for fellowship as well with other believers. So I pray even in that context that, that the subject that we talk about today, spiritual gifts, that that we would have opportunities to exercise our, our gifts um, on, on others. And even as we gather, th those opportunities would, would be available to us. Pray that you'd be glorified and we'd be edified through these, these gatherings each week. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I, here's how I'd like to approach this morning, uh, you, have, you have kind of this uh, table of, of the gifts that are listed in four different passages. And what I really want to do at first is just read through each of those texts. And as you're following along, look for the gifts that are listed here. I, I struggled to know what to do because I was tempted just to give you a big, empty, open box and encourage you to list out the gifts as you see them in the text. But then I also really benefit, I, I, 
I mean, you would, these, are the, these would be your observations as you walk through these texts. You would see these gifts listed. But then I did benefit from someone else's work here. Uh, Dr. Tom Schreiner, he's a New Testament professor at Southern Seminary. What he did in, in walking through these, he, he then kind of made this table because what you'll notice is there, there's some consistency uh, throughout all the texts. They don't necessarily all fall into the same order and in the same place. And so, so as we read through these texts, the way that I have it listed here is not necessarily going to be the order that they're listed in the text. So it's still going to require for you some careful examination as we read through, because I think we really benefit from seeing uh, the, the categories together. So as, as you look down, you know, it, in all four texts, you know, Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and 12, 28, and then Ephesians 4, you're going to notice that that many of these gifts are listed in all four of those texts. And so they line up where that happens on, on the table you have in front of you. Then there are other places where, where Paul uh, writes them in Corinthians, but he doesn't write them in Romans or in Ephesians and not Romans. But then also, I, I think in listing them out this way in the table, you, you can even benefit from seeing how maybe one, one of them is clearly synonymous with another one based on one of the other lists that Paul provides. So there's, there's somewhat of a, a reasoning, I believe, behind putting them out of order as, the, as they're listed in these texts, just so you can see how they all kind of work together as we read through all four of these being, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's read through the text and just kind of observe the gifts listed as, as you see them. So we'll start then in Romans 12. And I also think it would be neat just to kind of think this way too. We're going to spend a lot of time today in, in thinking through the purpose of the gifts. And we really benefit from even just a, a right recognition here of the purpose of the gifts um, in that they, they're not for self, uh, the purpose of the gifts are that they serve others. They, they, they benefit the church. And so we'll talk about that later. But even as you walk through these lists, uh, it's not hard to think of other people that have, have served you in these ways. Uh, and so you can think of, even in the context of this local church, as you're reading through these lists, just try and even think of, of individuals that you're like, yeah, they, they really do have this gift. I think the Spirit of God is really... Uh, this gift of grace that the Spirit has given them. They have the gift of generosity, of, of service, of helping, of um, teaching. You know, on and on we could go. It's just kind of fun to put, you know, names to these gifts as well uh, in your own mind. Just kind of think through ways that you've seen these gifts demonstrated in your own life as others have served you. And then we can even think of ways that we desire to serve others with these gifts. So, so if, if you're able to kind of Think, think that way of both trying to identify where they, they fall in the list and then also think of maybe individuals that would have uh, some of these gifts. I'm not going to ask you to list those out loud later. And one final observation before we read them. Oh, it'll be clarified in a few weeks from now, but when we talk about some of these gifts that we're going to make a case for the, um, the ceasing of certain miraculous gifts that would have ceased with the apostolic age. So there's going to be some gifts on here that hopefully you're not like thinking, oh yeah, so-and-so has the gift of apostleship. You know, no, um, I think that, that the gift of apostle was, that was an 
office given. We'll talk about specifically the restriction there on, on who were apostles. But uh, so some of these gifts that are listed, I believe, are apostolic gifts or gifts that um, took place during the apostolic age. But I do believe that they ha- have ceased with the age of the apostles. But, but again, that's, that's com- um, content for a few weeks from now. So here we go. On to the list. Let's begin in Romans 12. Then we'll go over to 1 Corinthians. And then we'll go to Ephesians. Uh, and then we'll fill in some blanks on our, on our handout. So follow along as I read Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. All right, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, Um, I think we're gonna need to add one that that did not, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verses seven through 10. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills Okay, now let's go down in the chapter to um, verses 27 and 28. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. All right, now, one more text, and then we'll kind of look at at what was listed out in these texts that we just read. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers and we do well to consider verse 12 as well, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so here, these four key texts in regards to spiritual gifts, we have quite a list, and and I don't think that we have to view this as an exhaustive list 
of spiritual gifts, but then also they really are a pretty much a summary of all the different ways that you know the Spirit might work through us. You know, as these gifts of grace. But uh, you know, as you're kind of trying to think through all the different gifts, the, these are you know this list just really kind of helps us summarize the different giftings of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And so we'll we'll spend some time talking specifically about about each of the gifts that are listed. But let's go ahead and 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 look at this definition. And this is from I'd already kind of point out that the the way that I categorized this was was based on the way that Dr. Schreiner. Um, categorizes these four um, passages so that you can kind of see them next to each other. But here's a definition that he gives in his book on spiritual gifts. Uh, book's called Spiritual Gifts, What They Are and Why They Matter. And here's his definition of spiritual gifts. Gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit that are designed for the edification of the church. And so um, when you're thinking these, these are gifts given by the Holy Spirit, if you were tracking there in that 1 Corinthians uh, 12 passage, I believe that's the one that we'd uh, really see, um, struggling here to find. Um, yeah, uh, okay, so like verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, verse 8 says, for to one is given through the Spirit uh, to another according to the same Spirit. Um, another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. I mean, on and on and on we go in that list in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It's clear that these are gifts of grace from, uh, given by the Holy Spirit. And this is really a helpful uh, reality here to recognize we, we can get off track if we start losing this reality of the purpose of the gifts. Uh, the second part of the def definition when it's saying they're gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit that are designed for the edification of the church. So with that second half of the definition saying that there are, the purpose here is that they are designed to edify others. Um, I, I think that really speaks to this biblical principle that, that you have next here on your handout. The purpose of the gifts is to serve one another, not self. And so um, we want to ask ourselves, you know, why, why, would we, why would we view spiritual gifts that way? Is that just an opinion or is that what the scripture says? We, we see it there in the 1 Corinthians 12 passage. Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So you're already even seeing kind of this purpose here in gifts. It's for the common good. But uh, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4. This passage is going to help us both with, with this uh, biblical principle and then the next one that we're going to list as well. But uh, in 1 Peter 4, look at what it says in verse 10. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So that's, that's how we use our spiritual gifts. We, have, we each have received a gift, and so we're to use it. And the way that we're told to use it, the, the, um, the right purpose behind our gifts, of these gifts of grace from the Holy Spirit to us, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Uh, that's just a helpful reminder here. The purpose of the gifts is to serve 
one another. And again, the Ephesians 4, uh, you know, you had verse 11 listed, and then I, I mentioned that we'd do well to go ahead and read verse 12 as well. So when we walked through that text, and it, it talked about these different offices, and then in verse 12, it says, after it gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so what are we talking about with spiritual gifts? We're talking about these gifts of grace from the Holy Spirit for uh, the benefit of edifying others. And so the purpose of the gifts is for one another, not self. This next point here, you have spiritual gifts uh, based on this um, 1 Peter 4 passage, if you're still there, let, let me read the passage and see if you can fill in the blanks here on, on this, this next statement. Spiritual gifts are often categorized in a particular way. Look at it in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so looking at 1 Peter 4 verse 11, um, how might we fill in that blank there in regards to like a, maybe a, a summary category of the gifts? Gifts are, are categorized here in verse 11 with, with two, two ways. We've got two different categories of gifts. What'd you say, Ken? Speaking and serving. Very good. Um, even look, look, let's just kind of call out some of the, the speaking gifts that you see in that table. Teaching. Teaching. Exhortation. Good. Some. Good. Distinguishing of spirits. Yes. Prophecy. Yes. All right. Um, we're, yeah, wisdom and not words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Um, when we start talking about uh, descriptions of or definitions of, I, re I really do think that it's very helpful when you think of Paul writing these four different sections on, on, um, on spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12, there's actually no um, statement on teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, but you have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And so sometimes we're thinking, what are we even talking about when we're talking about words of wisdom, words of knowledge? Well, you see Paul list teaching in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Uh, in Ephesians 4, you have the, the role in the office and the gift of shepherding, teaching. So then in 1 Corinthians 12, I just think you, you, it's... I think it's accurate, safe, and helpful to view words of wisdom, words of knowledge as really synonymous with that gift of teaching. You're able to, um, to um, provide words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and understanding the scripture, that, you know, teaching. Okay, so, so some of those speaking gifts, y'all did a great job listing those. Um, somewhat of a trick question here now, though. What about the serving gifts? What about, how are some ways that you can serve others with these gifts of grace? Other than words of Very good, Bob. Yeah. So see, yeah, not an interesting point to think through. We, we serve others um, through speaking, uh, speaking truth, uh, discerning the, the spirits. So very good. Yeah, Bob, that's a, so really, we, we serve, if you think the purpose of the gifts, to serve one another. And so, so Paul, I mean, Peter does have these two categories. You, you do kind of have, it's helpful brackets here to think speaking 
gifts, serving gifts, but then you're also stepping back and thinking, okay, what's the purpose of the gifts? It's to serve one another. And so, but, but yeah, you really can, you can think there's even, that's one of the, the gifts that's listed in Romans 12 is, is gifts of service. And so Romans 12 says that. Then in 1 Corinthians 12, you see that, that gift that's listed of helps. And so you think that, that sounds pretty synonymous there. Gifts of service, gifts of helps. And, and um, while that may not be, you know, the gift that, that people uh, aspire to, you know, and it's, man, I, I hope that they got equipped me with the gift of, of service. But man, uh, I, I hope we do find the, the benefit and purpose of the gift of serving. We certainly can think through ways that, that others are uniquely gifted in serving others. They're observant servants, as, as Charlie often speaks of, and even models that. You know, somebody who has the gift of service, they just observe needs and they meet them, or, or they have means and they use them to serve others uh, and help others. So, so in one sense, it is helpful to think there are gifts of speaking, gifts of service, then in another sense, you're also recognizing all the gifts are, um, well, um, are gifts of service because we're using the gifts to serve one another. But that First Peter 4 section does talk of uh, as one who speaks and then whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Yeah. You have things that people really don't need to necessarily talk at all, giving, uh, healing, miracles. Those don't necessarily have much speech. Right. Okay. So, so if all of them serve, all, all involve serving, but maybe not all involve speaking. And so then it is helpful to have categories. That, that's pretty good thinking. Yeah. Faith, it seems like, is required for everything. Right. So this can't be talking saving faith because if we're talking about gifts um, that are given to all believers and you're recognizing, well, well all believers have been given faith. We have, we have saving faith, but there must be this like faith to move mountains, kind of unique faith of like um, George Mueller kind of stuff, just really, I'm just trusting God to provide in unique and extraordinary ways. You know, like you can look at people's lives and see how they exercise the unique ability of faith that I, that I would be tempted to, to find falling in the, um, the 1 Corinthians 12 uh, gift of faith. Uh, but maybe we can even have more comments here later uh, about that. So anyway, as we continue through this, unless uh, are there others that, that you want to point out, um, gifts of service, uh, you know, giving, uh, mercy, and we'll, we'll seek to define these more carefully in a second. But yeah, so gifts of speaking, gifts of service, they all serve. But uh, Dave, that was just a helpful comment to think too that they don't all require speaking necessarily. So, so you have two categories in, help, in, in some ways of, of speaking and serving. Okay, one more comment that I want to do before we go back and kind of start talking. What are we even talking, what are we talking about when we look at these gifts? The last point that I think is significant to note would be that every believer is given at least one spiritual gift. Um, it's probably, nothing we're saying here is, is probably, you know, brand new or, or you know, just blowing anybody's mind here, but it's just good to step back and think carefully about what the scriptures teach in this way. If you think where we've been in our study on the Holy Spirit, and last week we're recognizing as new covenant believers, one of, one of, the, this, uh, one of the things that takes place in, in the, is that, that when we come to faith in Christ, we, um, we receive the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God permanently indwells every believer. And so what was a little bit of a distinction there between, you know, the Old Testament, we certainly see the Holy Spirit very active uh, and certainly even working in 
the lives of individuals. Sometimes you have non-believers who uh, the, the Spirit is upon. Sometimes you have believers who the Spirit is upon. You have, um, but you don't have this permanent indwelling in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, every new covenant believer is permanently indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And, and so then we also rightly recognize those who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit also receive, uh, as, as this says in front of you what I'm suggesting, at least one spiritual gift. So if a spiritual gift is this gift of grace from the Holy Spirit on every believer to serve one another, um, everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody that, who has the Spirit has a spiritual gift. So just kind of look at some of the, those passages to really help us to see that. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Our definition talked of gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 7 of Ephesians 4 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Um, we are, we've been in 1 Peter 4 for almost all of these fill in the blanks. Uh, 1, 1 Peter 4.10 when it said, um, As each has received a gift use it to serve one another. So that language of as each of you, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, really that very foundational text on um, spiritual gifts. It also helps us to see that, that these gifts that we're talking about, um, every believer is, is given at least one gift, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So that's verse 7. And then if you move over to verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we're seeing, you know, the sovereignty of God on display here. You know, the, the Spirit apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I think it's safe and accurate and helpful to recognize that every believer has a spiritual gift. And so every believer has at least one spiritual gift. What are, what are some of the errors maybe that, that other, some might have in regards to this point of saying every believer has at least one spiritual gift? What might, um, what might be some assumptions that are made in light of that? I don't, maybe I'm not even tracking. Okay, 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 yeah, you're like, okay, there's one area that I need to be like, you know, exclusively serving the body. Okay, that's, that's really good, Ramsey, yeah, what else? Okay, because yeah, we're to, we're to seek the gifts. You're like, mm, nope, nope, maybe. I'll think about it. Yes. Uh, yeah, right. No, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Well, so, and, and really, Amanda, what you're getting at is it's, it's think of the way that that phrase just ended, as he wills, right? So he apportions to each of us as he wills. So, so he has given us a gift and it was given by the Spirit. It's not uh, selected by the individual. Very good. Yeah, Dave. That these are permanent job assignments. Okay. As if uh, God doesn't give us what we need when we need it. Okay. Uh, we receive the gift we need for the ministry he gives us to do. They're not like a permanent job assignment my whole life. I've got this gift and that's what I do. Okay. I, I'm following what, you, what you're saying here. Yeah. Something like uh, certainly teaching 
tend, seems to be something that we have if we have that continues. If people operate, tend to operate in gifts that they have and continue to have. But even those who do not seem to operate with a great deal of mercy, for example, God can bestow upon us mercy when we need it to operate in that. Yeah, okay, good, good. Okay. Well, because teaching would mean this, or exhortation would mean this, or evangelism would mean this. So I think a lot of times we just tend to think of our gift in specific categories, not that it can be served in a lot of different ways. Um, so I think that's that's a real struggle for a lot of Christians is thinking that well I have this gift, so I have to do it in this context. Otherwise, I'm not using it the way that God wants me to, or in a way that's maybe the most useful, or if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. Dara, here. So thinking of that question, <coughs> I believe I desire gifts. I don't desire. Yes, right. So, yeah, I, absolutely. Well, okay. So everything you're listing here, they, they seem to be, you know, issues of uh, very much faithful Christian living. You know, you would you would desire to serve, you desire to give, you desire to be merciful, you desire to be increase in faith and, and serve others. Uh, rightly handle the word, like if, be ready to give an account for the hope that's within you, all of these things. So, so in, in that sense, you're like, I want to I wanna mature in all of these. I want to model these. I want to be faithful in these. But, but even still, just in the, the wisdom of God, he's uniquely equipped um, each individual with, with at least one gift that, that, um, uh, that we still cultivate we, we still, in spiritual maturity, we, would grow in, um, and, and we just, we have unique opportunities to, to use them uh, for the glory of God, and, but yeah, if, it, I hope I am answering that in saying, yes, we are, it's right to desire the, these gifts, and the desire would be informed by the purpose, too, that, that um, you know, you don't desire the gift to be um, appreciated or made much of. Um, and I'm not at all assume, assuming these are motives here on some. I'm just saying like we're desiring to administer, do these things so that others will be equipped and encouraged and God will be glorified. Uh, yeah, Ann. Back to your question. You know, there's some gifts that some people think that we all should have the same gift. Okay, okay, right. So that's really going to be interesting in a few weeks. This is also very helpful to kind of keep some sort of guardrails out for rightly understanding the issue of spiritual gifts. Because we already said, if we, just, if we understand the purpose of the gifts, I think that even today you might still find yourself thinking, you know, well, really they all, there's some blending together of certain gifts or even what is the specific definition of this gift? On and on and we go. If, if we have the purpose down that is to serve one another and to glorify God, that's going to already help us to understand the subject matter really well. But then what, what Anne is also saying is there are, there are, there are churches that would say that, um, you know, you might be a believer, but you need to desire this particular gift and you need to use this gift and only those who really kind of like, um, accelerated up into this, this higher level of Christianity ha have this particular gift. I guess even, I'm, I'm just 
in my mind thinking of like the gift of tongues and like charismatic circles, you know, you, they really, if I just don't speak in tongues and they're like, well, pray for it. Pray that God will help you to know how to do it. And then, then when you do it, do it. And there, there's really kind of almost, there can be, there is manipulation to you. Um, godly people speak in tongues um, with faith. Those who are faithful and godly, they're going to have the gift of, of tongues. Uh, if you don't have the gift of tongues yet, it's because there, there's still growth in, into that. And, and there's a chance that I just like put words into people's mouths in a way on that. But that's the way I would characterize what can sometimes be a temptation. Are you even thinking of other uh, gifts or, I mean, yeah. I was taught to, you know, I can learn it. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's books on how to practice, you know, if you don't speak in tongues yet, here, try, say this repeatedly, often, and then maybe, you know, the Spirit will use that to help teach you how to use, uh, speak in tongues. I think in chapter 14, of the first thing you have is pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I think just the, um, the you, as I think plural speaking of the whole church, as a church you would desire gifts. I think you desire certain gifts to be evident in your church. I pray that that God will send the people who are gifted in certain things that you know just to edify and build up the church. Good deal. This church was needed of people who could clearly present truth, and um, as opposed to contrasting to speaking in tongues. Okay. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how to compare with the in Genesis, it talks like natural abilities, just heightened spirit. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, it's, a, it's a great question. I don't without trying to say too much because it just me be not being very thoughtful in my statement statement here but I you I don't think you you are you would be right to to just see spiritual gifts as as, as natural abilities that are just kind of you know increased because the the spirit does that but um but even still if you think of like gifts of service then there are certainly ways that, that we serve others with our natural abilities. So even somebody just recently was telling us like, I'm uniquely skilled in like cleaning. You know, they'd love to serve the church by like cleaning. And so you don't find cleaning, you know, on, on the list of spiritual gifts, but you are thinking they're just, they've got an eye for it. They like to see things clean. And so they'd love to serve the church by cleaning. So it's like spiritual gift of just serving others, but there are natural abilities that we can use. Or somebody who has the gift of, of, of giving, you know, maybe, maybe there's time that you have that others don't have. And so you're, you, because you're available, you serve others by giving them of their, your time to help them or, or financially, you know, there's, there's different, like, I hope I'm tracking with what I feel like you were trying to say. There are, there are, we, we have these, 
opportunities to serve based on, on our, our natural like inclinations, but, they, but it certainly is a gift of the Spirit. It's from the Spirit working in us to serve others and glorify God with, with these, these, um, these gifts of grace from the Spirit. Uh, let me, let's just walk through. You, you'll see if we have a list of, of a variety of gifts. And then at the bottom, I really only put uh, three or four down to, to maybe provide a little bit more of a description. I, I think for the most part, uh, many of these would be self-explanatory. Uh, you know, you think, well, what's teaching? And so then you think, you know, explaining uh, that, you know, explaining the truth so that others can understand and so that in uh, understanding they can then apply. And so you're thinking, I think we can all give somewhat of a, a pretty healthy definition of teaching. But I do think maybe there are some others here that we'd benefit from thinking, what, what might this actually be referring to? And so first, let me just point out that I think it'd be helpful to distinguish that when we're talking about apostles, you have both in that list in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4, um, that there, there was this you know, office gift of apostleship. And I think the scripture is very clear here of restricting that office of apostle to those who, who, who the qualification then would be those who, who saw the risen Lord and were commissioned by him. So if you're thinking the disciples, you know, they were apostles. You have Paul saw the risen Lord. He's commissioned by um, the Lord. Uh, even James later in uh uh, was in Galatians and Acts where you've seen James listed as an apostle. Uh, but so, so there in those, you have these, these apostles, but those apostles were restricted to those who, th- those qualifications of seeing the risen Lord and then actually being commissioned by the Lord uh, for service. So I don't think it's accurate today when you, when you see somebody who identifies himself as an apostle. Uh, so then that's going to be helpful in a few weeks when we start talking about why the basis for seeing some of these gifts ceasing it's very much connected to the, the foundational purpose of these apostles in, in the beginning of the church. So we'll talk about that later. Yes. So how many, you know, estimate apostles are there? Dozens? Twelve? Uh, more than twelve. Less than many. Um, but Christ appeared to uh, groups of people? Right, so it's, and then commissioned to this role of, of apostle. So it's not just, not everybody that just saw the risen Lord was an apostle. But that is a qualification for someone to be an apostle. They had to be, they had to see the risen Lord and then be commissioned by him to this role. So then I do, there, there are, um, man, I wish I had it in front of me. It's just what we would think of as the disciples. Yes, yes. And then even, um, but it, but it, at the root of yeah, you certainly see it's it's those 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 twelve plus Paul plus James, but even like Barnabas, um, Silas, uh, and then then there's there's a statement somewhere else about just some of the missionary um, endeavors in the in uh in the scriptures. They weren't, uh, they weren't in the office of apostle, but they were commissioned. Oh. I mean, they were apostles in the sense that they were sent out one sent out. Uh huh. Okay. There were more than twelve apostles as far as the foundation of the church, right? So I guess I'm over speaking here. Then, so yeah, I'd want to be very careful not to say something wrong. I think all those people were apostles in the early church, but I think um, 
as far as the 12 apostles we see that were sent out in Luke 10, uh, yeah, but you, you'd see Paul as an apostle, and then, right, and then, um, yeah, I'm always scared I'm going to, like, say something I'm really going to regret. I think I already have, um, but uh, I just want to think more carefully. Self is born out of time, out of order, as the last, by default, right? Okay, so see, I am then um, in danger here of uh, saying... So the office of an apostle, but um, yeah, apologize here for, for that inaccurate speak. But um, yeah, so if we have this, this office of apostle, and just sticking with what we know, it's restricted to those who, who saw the Lord and were commissioned by him. And you read of that, even Mark 3, you see that taking place of, of um, this, this, the, this, this first apostles. Okay. So then, uh, in regards to, to prophecy, um, what we're talking about when we're talking about prophecy, and I'm using a definition from another pastor, his name's Jack Hughes, uh, in regards to prophecy, receiving direct revelation from God, and, and then communicating that message in a perfect, inspired way. So this is distinct from just the gift of teaching uh, you know, if you're teaching, you're, you're taking the written word of God and, and reading it and explaining it to others. With prophecy, you're actually receiving direct revelation and then communicating that direct rev- revelation, this, this message, and you're doing it in a perfect way, like without error. You don't say something's right, something's wrong, like what I just did earlier. You, you're always right because you are, you are speaking from the Lord. And so this, this prophecy would certainly be one of these, these gifts of the apostolic age um, that, that would not have continued. So you're receiving direct revelation from God, then you're communicating it in a perfect, inspired way. Okay, one, uh, one more that uh, I'd like to speak to, distinguishing of spirits. Uh, this one, sometimes we're trying to think, what are, what, are we, what are we talking about here? And I think it's helpful just to think in a category of like discerning truth from error. Um, and so there's an example, really, of Paul doing this in a way like you, you, we know truth, we're able to understand truth, we can proclaim truth, we can discern it from error, but then we might have just this uh, wisdom from God to really kind of discern when, when we see truth and error. Well, look what happens in Acts 16. Acts 16, 16, uh, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and, and brought her own owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing. So just pause for a second. What she's saying in verse 17, I mean, we weren't there to hear how how obvious it would have been that she might have been, you know, mocking them. But what she's saying is a truthful statement. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So what she says there, you know, it's not problematic, the content of what she's saying. But verse 18, look at this. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Well, the basis for, for Paul even casting out this demon, I think is, is rooted in just a, a, 
an issue of discernment. Like he's recognizing there's something wrong here with this slave girl. She might be saying something that, that's truthful, but he's discerning truth and error by when he casts out this demon. Uh, I think you're seeing some distinguishing of, of spirits going on and recognizing that she was um, filled with another spirit. Um, and so he cast out the demon. Okay, with, with tongues, as we'll talk in three weeks, but what, what we're talking there, both with tongues and then interpretation of tongues, it's the uh, speaking tongues would be the ability to speak a foreign language that had not been learned by the speaker. And so then in the interpretation of tongues, we're talking of the ability to interpret, you know, a, a, a known language that's, that's foreign to you. Uh, so we're talking about known languages here. And then uh, I don't have it written down in the handout too, but, but you do see certain things like miracles and healing. You know, and healing is miraculous. So what's the distinction here between miracles and healing? And I, see, uh, I, find it, I find it beneficial to think through what some others have kind of said. If you think like, you know, healing, you know, you this physical healing, maybe somebody who's blind or, or they're lame and, and they had this miraculous gift of healing, but then if you're thinking of these gifts of miracles that don't fall into healing, you could also think of what we just read in Acts 16, where that was a miraculous thing that Paul did in casting out a demon. Um, there's also, um, you know, nature miracles that are, are performed. Uh, so, so we can think of certain gifts that would be miracles, and um, while healing would certainly be a miraculous gift, uh, not, um, not all miracle gifts were healing gifts. But, but healing gifts are certainly miraculous gifts. And so we'll speak more about miraculous gifts here in, in three weeks. Um, takeaways to, to just finish our time in that these gifts were to serve others. What does that even just teach us about church life? Uh, if, if, our, if, the sp if spiritual gifts are just others-centered, um, what does that teach about church life? We have to be together. Yeah, okay, you're really just seeing some ecclesiology here and thinking, you know, it's not just this personal relationship between me and God, I, I do wherever I want, however I want. No, um, if we're to be using our gifts, it's going to necessitate being with others because it's others-centered. And so we need to gather. We need to, to use our gifts. So we need to gather in order to use our gifts and for others to um, uh, be gift or blessed by our gifts upon them. Um, Other-centered. I think that's really underscores other-centered. Gifts are others-centered. Yeah. To operate that way. It's not about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Very good. That'd be a good summary statement there to end here. Um, I think we'll, we'll do well to, to think more uh, on this in, in a few weeks as, as we discuss um, some of the, these gifts here that would fall into the, the apostolic age, these miraculous gifts that you see listed uh, on the, in these four passages. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that uh, you've equipped every believer with the Holy Spirit. You, you save us. Uh, the Spirit opens our eyes to understand the truth and respond rightly to the gospel. And then in coming into a right relationship with you, you then equip the saints um, by, by these gifts of grace, giving every believer uh, a spiritual gift to, to use um, to serve others and to glorify you. So as even was list, uh, mentioned just a few minutes ago, God, we pray that, that these would uh, just increase and abound in the life of our church uh, so that you'd be glorified and we would um, be built up and encouraged and equipped to serve others. So, so um, God, help us to think rightly about these things and to respond rightly um, 
by being faithful to, to serve in these ways. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.